0: and fish can coexist peacefully. Read my lip. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House.
1: Ah! I love the poorly educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people.
2: His language just kind of broken down over the past 40 years or so. (laughs) You listen to that and go, like, how did we elect some of these people? Uh, yeah, right, yeah. Oh, my God. Welcome back, guys. It's good to be here. Barstool Politics. Uh, I'm your host, Nick McGuire, uh, and joined, as always, by Dr. Bill Muck from North Central College and Dr. Phil Barker from Keene State College. Hello.
1: How'd, Howdy. How you doing, Phil? I'm good. I'm cold. It's snowy here. Ew, that's gross. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's cold and snowy in Chicago too. It's just cold and yeah, miserable, dark and yep.
2: snow would be okay if it wasn't so miserable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting day. <laughs> I got to admit, I was wrong—not by much, but I was wrong. And I think Phil, like you said, you you had guessed the outcome last week. So so good on you. <laughs> I was really not expecting that. Predicting
1: total luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, predicting that
0: Roy Moore would go down. Yeah. Yeah, we got lots to talk about in Alabama. Oh, yeah. like the, it's, it's, yeah. this is huge. This is a huge story. So do we gonna... do we want to talk about Omarosa before we jump into Alabama? Let's, let's God, do yes. that. Yeah, let's, just a couple just so couple
1: minutes. Uh, so Omarosa uh, removed from the White House, and this is an is, I guess it's a still breaking story in terms of getting the details. But apparently last night. Uh, Chief of Staff Ryan came to her and said, it's time to go. And they had announced that she was going to leave the White House, but that she was going to stay for another month or so. And Ryan was like, that's it. You're done. Out tonight. And she apparently threw a fit. Ryan? Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Kelly. I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Kelly. Sorry. (laughs) We all knew what you meant. That's right. I said it was time to go. And she threw a fit and starts yelling and screaming. Supposedly. Supposedly, allegedly. And then allegedly tries to get to Trump. I, I don't know if he was back. Uh, she went to the
0: residence, apparently, went to, to the residence, to talk to him.
1: <laughs> where Secret Service grabs her and removes her forcibly from the premises. That's... Uh, Phil, you were saying that this is going to get better and better, right?
0: Well, I... So... Uh... Omarosa is like like what she's known for is being an unstable, fiery character. Right? Going back like, to The Apprentice, she's she's a, she's like a soap opera villain. Like that was that was how she came to be she came to fame. Um, I I can't imagine that if that's actually how it went down that she's going to go home and sit quietly, right? Like she's going to be <laughs> it, yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see how she reacts to this. Although like I, I it'll be really interesting to see how the Trump administration manages to function. Without Without someone (laughs) who was doing whatever she was doing. But she wasn't (laughs) really doing (laughs) anything. She was doing nothing.
1: (laughs) It just speaks to the people that Trump surrounds himself with. And Kelly finally saying, enough of this, right? This is silliness. We're not having people who don't know what they're doing, and it's time to go. Well, the story that... the few reports that we do have is
2: that she brought her wedding party into the White House, a group of roughly 35 people, to do an extended photo shoot in the Rose Garden and just around the premises without or with very little authorization from people within the administration. Seems reasonable. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm assuming I can do that. All right. I can do is jump the fence, right?
0: One of the headlines I see, I was just Googling her trying to figure out what her title was. One of the headlines that popped up was, Omarosa leaving White House may have been, quote-unquote, dragged off the Jeez, This is, given
1: the the way this played out, this is, it's not going to be good. I, I would say Trump should call her and try to make nice on this, because mm-hmm. otherwise this is just going to be one of those awful thorn-in-the-side idiot stories.
2: <laughs> well, I'm assuming if he tries to do that, he's only going to make it worse anyway. <laughs> right. So... <laughs> It'll be interesting to see the tweets that come out of this. Yes, if they if he even acknowledges it.
1: Yeah, right. That's true. They may just hope it goes away. But she has, I don't know. She's got that sort of persona where you know she'll be on all the on the shows. And, mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I was saying before we started recording that. I don't care about the Mueller investigation or any evidence they have. It's going to be her. She's going to be the one that takes down the entire administration. (laughs) That would be fantastic. She goes all the way back to the apprentice. She knows some shit. Yes,
1: that's
0: true. She was there. Mm -hmm. Her official title was communications director for the Office of Public Liaison. And every article I've looked at says it's not really clear what that means. (laughs) Question? She she was bringing home 180 grand a year, though. Is that right? That's gonna hurt. Pretty
2: good for a big title. Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: well. Now let's talk Bama. Let's talk Bama. So, in addition to Phil being right, you know who else was right? Hmm. Donald Trump. Did you guys see the tweet this morning? (laughs) Yeah. So Donald Trump this this morning tweeted, The reason I originally endorsed Luther Strange and his numbers went up mightily is that I said Roy Moore will not be able to win the general election. I was right. Roy Moore worked hard, but the uh, deck was stacked against him. So Phil and Donald Trump were both right.
0: <laughs> that man that man cannot handle being wrong. Oh. No, <laughs> like, no. like 24 hours before the election he is campaigning openly for Roy Moore <laughs> right. and 24 hours after less than 24 hours he's tweeting about how Roy Moore was a loser and he knew he was going to lose. He, oh. <laughs> so
2: so where do we start with this? I mean I guess it's I mean the and like you said, this is historic. There is, this is the first Democrat elected to the Senate from Alabama in 25, 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. That's crazy.
0: It is. Uh, and the last, and the, the last one to get elected switched parties to a Republican shortly thereafter. It, it, is, a, it is one of the reddest states in the country. Um, it, it is the, like, the least likely <laughs> place to have a Republican lose to a Democrat in a statewide Senate election. All it took it, it's, was a it's pedophile. More remarkable. <laughs> right, right. You what I said. All it took was a pedophile. Right, right. <laughs> so I, you know, so okay. So this is we should talk about like what this, what this means because it, it was it was close. It was ended up being about a percentage point difference um, yeah. between the two. But uh, this the this is a race that in the previous you know ten. Um, Senate elections, the Republican has won by, on average, like 30 points, right? So this is not to, to say that the Democrats eked one out here uh, is, is a little misleading. It's really like the Democrats picking up 30 points in the election. So this is a, a massive pickup. But it leads to all sorts of questions about can we draw any conclusions? Because it was in Alabama with the Republican candidate and like a widely accused and accepted as you know, accurately accused um, pedophile. Right. Um, so can we can we draw conclusions in general about next year's uh, midterm elections based on this?
2: I mean, my thought is that had and as as much as I don't necessarily want to agree with him, I think Trump was probably right in saying that Luther Strange was the stronger candidate of the two. Yeah. And had he been. The um the candidate, he probably would have eked this out. I, I that's my thought.
0: Yeah. More than eked it out. I I think you're I think you're probably right. Um what God, why can't I think of his name? Five thirty-eight. What what's his name? The Nate guy Silver. who wrote Nate Silver uh had an article today and, and I, I thought his analysis was really interesting. He basically argued that this was a 30-point swing and, and um when something happens that, that is that big you have to take into account that there are multiple factors that if they hadn't come together, this wouldn't have happened. And and he broke it down basically into three ten point factors, one of which he said is if you look at generic elections across the country, like if they do surveys about, you know, no name on the ballot. Do you prefer the Republican or the Democrat? Democrats are up by ten points right now. So wow. so there is this big and that's why you see Democrats winning in Virginia and other places like that that if you look at Roy Moore before all of the sexual allegations came out, he was leading by about 10 points. Mm-hmm. So what that means, if you take that into account, that's if he's only leading by 10 in a state where Republicans typically lead by 30, 10 percent of that of that sort of 20 point jump can be ex- explained by the national situation with trump and all of that Mm -hmm. 10 points is probably explained by roy moore being a weirdo right like before all of this tape stuff came out i mean he was known for being an extremist and had been kicked off the alabama supreme court and thought muslims shouldn't be allowed to serve in congress and that homosexuality should be gay and so so basically um uh nate silver is essentially arguing that 10 points are just due to the national atmosphere. 10 points are due to Roy Moore being weird and 10 points are due to the (laughs) fact that he was accused of pedophilia right (laughs) before the election. And all of that together means that he was able to pull this off. But he says basically his his point is that we can draw conclusions about next year's midterms from this. It's not that there's going to be a 30 point swing, but this pretty much supports the idea that there's a a 10 point swing towards Democrats, which come House elections can be really significant. Mm hmm. We can't forget that this was this was Jeff Sessions' seat, mm-hmm. so a
1: Democrat took Jeff Beauregard Sessions' seat. I mean, that's that's a big deal for Democrats, and a lot a significant loss for the Republicans. Yeah. I tend to think this is if I'm thinking like the democracy gods, right? They've sent a couple tests down. The first test was was Donald Trump. Like, let's see what the American democracy will do. Oh, they'll elect Donald Trump. Let's see how much further can we go. Let's send down Roy Moore, you know, a, a racist, homophobic, alleged pedophile let's just see right. how far we can push. And they pushed pretty far, and he's still almost won really right? vindictive God. God. So I, I think this yeah. is certainly a good sign for Democrats moving forward. But again, we also have to say, like this this was almost an awful, awful outcome. You know, what so, were there? Twenty two thousand write in ballots? Yeah. And uh, Jones uh, won by roughly the same. So I mean, so that's the, it could have gone either way. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I can't decide if I am encouraged by this outcome that this despicable person was put on the ballot and people were able to put sort of principles over party. Right. I, I would hope that in the opposite way uh, that, you know, if a Democrat were a despicable person, that Democrats would also either not vote for him or swing to the Republican. Um, so there's part of me that's like, okay, you know, in a in a deeply, deeply red state, this was even, this was, you know, a line too far. But then there's another part of me that thinks he still got half the yes, vote, yes, right? right. Yes. Half of Alabama, despite knowing that he was a pedophile and all of the, you know, thinks that Muslims are are unable to serve in Congress and that gay, you know, Bible, homosexuality should be illegal. Right, right. That he still got, he's he, he right. still almost eked it out. It, like, it's it's uh, that's, that's incredibly it's terrifying. depressing.
1: <laughs> and the, I think the real story here is when you look at so African Americans turned out in huge, huge numbers. They were thirty percent of the vote. Ninety-six percent of them voted for Jones. I mean, this this to me seems like a major storyline in terms of motivating that element of the electorate. But on the flip side, when you look at white people, sixty-eight percent of white people voted for Roy Moore. What's wrong with white people, Nick? <laughs> like, I just, like, I can't understand this. Where, I mean, this this to me feels more, there's a whole lot of fault lines in this election. I wasn't anticipating race being one that was so significant in terms of thinking about the way in which African Americans showed up to vote. I
2: mean, this is something, again, that we talk about every single one of these, these podcasts. I, I think that the... The concept of opposition politics is so pervasive now. And the thought that, realistically, as much as I believe that these allegations are true, the timing is still extraordinarily suspect. So you can easily see why people would kind of second-guess why this is happening right now in this particular situation. Yeah, And, I mean, there's just a, a genuine... Hatred of the opposition, especially in places like that, and and something that's kind of been part of that political substructure for generations at this point, and it's really, really, really coming to a head. And it takes something of this magnitude and this just kind of obvious shittiness of the person who's part of this, uh, part of this race, to change the dynamic. And sure. I don't, I don't necessarily see that you can really. Draw a lot of conclusions from this, except that it took something so monumental to shift that perception. I I don't know if that'll happen again.
1: Well, I would have thought if you'd have told me, okay, it's looking at the at looking at African Americans versus white women, what would be the the group that would decide this election? I would have assumed it would have been white women or right. women in general saying like, we can't have a pedophile in office. But white women voted for Roy Moore.
0: Yep. Like 60 percent, right? Like yes. it was not. Yeah, that one's that one's baffling.
1: It, it is. It, it really is is difficult to understand. And it does suggest that partisanship is this this dynamic that overrides yeah. everything else right. and it clouds everything yes. that we we look at.
0: So I, I I heard an interesting I was listening to The Daily this morning, the New York Times podcast. Oh, and, and there was a they did an interview with this woman in Alabama. And, and it struck me as strange because I had heard several people talk about. Um, part of the thought about why Roy Moore was going to win, even though the polls were kind of close, was that there was some, some suspicion that people would be reluctant to tell pollsters that they were going to vote for a guy who was a pedophile, right? And so they were wondering if maybe his numbers were actually suppressed and that more people were actually going to vote for him than were saying they were going to vote for him. Mm. But this woman on, and it was something I hadn't even thought about this woman on the daily, they were interviewing her and she was going to vote for Jones, But she refused to give her name because she was because of like the social pressure that she was afraid of people knowing that she was going to vote for the Democrat. Right. Mm. And it was it was it's interesting the way in which like social pressure works in in ways. So, you know, we talk about the power of of partisan politics here that in this case, like what we think of, like within polling circles, it's, it's understood that if you if you do a phone survey asking people if they're racist. Right. They're going to un- people are right. going to admit to being racist, <laughs> right. even if they are. And we would assume that about support for a pedophile. But in fact, the thing that is more like the, the social pressure is stronger about is support for a Democrat. Right. And and I, I suspect that plays out in other parts of the countries in the opposite way. Right. And that I I can't I'm going to vote Republican, but don't tell anybody, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. so um, it's 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 really baffling and a little Disheartening, right? Sure. <laughs> that yeah. we're not actually analyzing candidates based on their policies or their character or anything like that. We're just analyzing them based on identity. Yeah. Do Do Senate Republicans are they secretly? I was just
1: going to yeah, get there. Yeah, pleased that this played yeah. out the way it did. Or, or, or maybe the Republican Party in general mm-hmm. uh, to say that whew, we avoided a, a landmine here. They, I mean, they
2: no longer have to go forward with a complex and extraordinarily embarrassing ethics investigation right. should he have taken that seat.
1: This I, whole issue of do you seed him, do you not seed him, right. do you have an investigation, that would have been, that would have hung over their necks for
2: months. Well, I mean, if you th- look at the, the communication with kind of the general population that came from the, the Republican Party uh, leading up to the election, there were a lot of different voices coming out. First, they weren't going to support him. Then they threw funding back at him. Then people right. were saying that they should put in write-in candidates. And I, if any one of those things had not happened and there was a more unified conversation happening, I think we might have seen a different result. So I... I don't want to put my tinfoil hat on for this particular situation, but I I, I completely agree that I'm sure they're elated that
0: they don't have to deal with this mess. Absolutely. I I, I think that that's probably true in general. Having said that, I think that the Republican Party... I don't know that they could have handled it worse because of what you're saying, Nick, right? Like if they had just stayed out of it. If, so at first they all, you know, there was this, it was a little slow in coming, but there was this kind of wave of Republican senators and Republican officials distancing themselves from him after the pedophilia, you know, accusations came out. But as it became, as it got closer to the election and it looked like he might be in trouble, they they jumped back in, right? The Republican mm-hmm. Um, the Republican uh, system was funding this, was very much on board trying to make sure he won, and then he lost. So now they don't have the seat. They, they lost the seat, but they're still stuck with – I guarantee you there will be ads about how the Republican Party got behind this mm-hmm. officially. They, they, they should have – like I think this is what you're saying. They, they should have either been all in from yeah. the beginning, and if they're going to be in on a guy who has questionable character – at least make sure that he wins and gets the seat or or just keep your distance so that nobody can accuse you of being in bed with this guy Mm. and and they seem to have gotten the worst of both
1: so who's the biggest loser here is it the republican party is it donald trump or is it steve bannon and and i'm wondering (laughs) whether it's steve Steve. bannon right i mean because he was the one who he was all as you were suggesting all in with (laughs) roy moore up until the end i mean he gave this uh, election eve speech where he was going after everybody mitch mcconnell the republican establishment uh Condoleezza rice uh ivanka trump ivanka trump he had this hidden you know shot at her this is this is terrible for the bannonite wing of the party right mm-hmm. that they they can't win in alabama
0: yeah so i that, i've seen a couple of articles basically talking about how this is this is that bannon is the big loser here i don't i so I, when I read those articles, I tend to think, yep. But as I step back and think about it a little bit, I think that the Republican Party is the loser because yeah. Bannon doesn't give a shit, right? Bannon has responded to this by saying he's essentially doubling down, right? Like he's going out, he's going to, he has said he's going after every established Republican other than Ted Cruz. I don't know why he's okay with Ted Cruz, <laughs> but he's he's going to essentially run these primary campaigns with these extremists against all all of them. And so, um, he this hasn't, dissuaded him. If anything, it's encouraged him. Um, and so like, this is, this is where the Republican party is. There's, we've talked about it and, and I, I think it's going on behind the scenes, this sort of battle for the soul of the Republican party that you see playing out between the Steve Bannons and the Donald Trumps versus like, uh, you know, the Jeff Flakes and the Ben Sasses or whatever. Right. Um, and I think the in in the end the loser is the Republican Party who's going to end up fighting themselves in like if if what played out um, this kind of nasty primary campaign that ended up hurting the Republican Party in the long run in Alabama is essentially what Bannon is swearing to do in other states. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. what could potentially be some easy elections are actually going to be really hard for the Republicans because they have to deal with the fact that these crazy right wingers are going to be running against what are probably moderate and really electable Republicans? You
1: also wonder whether the Democrats look at this election and say, we got to have a 50 state strategy. Mm-hmm. We got to fight everywhere because there was a sense that, well, the South is lost. We can't we can't win states there. And again, Roy Moore was a terrible, terrible candidate. But nevertheless, you won a seat that of all the southern states, you would have thought Alabama was the safest. Right. I'm sure that was part of the reason of getting sessions is it's going to be a no brainer that we'll get another Republican
0: in there. So they they have to be somewhat excited about all of this. Mm -hmm. Look at Texas. Right. Texas is a safe Republican state. But whereas Alabama is safe by a 30 point margin, Texas is safe by about a 10 point margin, which which is in any other year. Totally safe. Right. No stress at all. But if there's a 10-point swing going on, right, if you can make up this – and and you're running against Ted Cruz, who's really just not a very likable guy, like if you're the Democrats, you have to start – yeah, I I agree. I think they have to re – reanalyze like where and how they sort of put their money and effort like where are they going to do that where are the winnable places
1: you, you re- one interesting point about all of this is you retweeted something this morning talking about gerrymandering and if, if this had been yeah. a vote for the house so why don't you tell us that that data because that for me that kind of blew yeah. my mind
0: <laughs> yeah so the, I guess there are uh, s- seven congressional districts in Alabama um, and the Democrats won the state by uh, you know a percentage and a half um, but if the vote were actually done at the, the congressional district level, the Republicans would have won six of the seven. <laughs> That's crazy, <seats. laughs> um, which is the power of gerrymandering. Right. They have structured all of these districts to give, uh, you know, you lump all the Democrats into one district and, and you have safe districts for everyone else. Gerrymandering is something that like reg- the Republicans have handled it incredibly well. Right. They have. They have structured districts um, to their advantage, but it is something that everyone should be concerned about. Mm. Um, there are places that are di- gerrymandered in democratic ways. but I, but if you want a democratic and a like small D sort of way yeah. system that reflects the will of the people, it's it's incredibly problematic. Mm.
1: This is why that Supreme Court case is so important. and you just yeah. really hope the court comes down and pushes back to say, we have to rethink how we do this because the system is so gerrymandered both for democrats and republicans and it's in both parties interest to continue that system but you'd love to see it broken up yeah yeah agreed yeah uh should probably move on yes all right so the other uh, there are a bunch of so today we're going to instead of doing speed round we're going to do two big topics do talk some beer and then talk two more big topics but for me the more one of the more interesting stories outside of roy moore was that President Trump once again put himself at the center of the sexual harassment debate on Tuesday, tweeting that the women who have accused him of misconduct were lying and attacking uh, Kirsten uh, Gillibrand of New York, one of his leading critics, as a lightweight who who would do anything for campaign contributions. His actual tweet was, Lightweight Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, a total flunky. Who uses the word flunky anymore, Nick? I don't know. But... (laughs) <laughs> for Chuck Schumer. i people your age. That's yeah. right. And someone who could come to my office begging for campaign contributions not so long ago and would do anything for them is now in the ring fighting against Trump, very disloyal to Bill and Crooked, used. George likes like, spicy chicken. I don't chicken. understand <laughs> I have read the
0: end of that sentence like eight times and I do right. not understand what he is saying. What does he used mean? To, and why is it in all caps,
2: Nick? I don't get that. Is now in the ring fighting against Trump, so himself and the third person. Yeah. yeah. Very disloyal to Bill and crooked dash used. all caps used. Crooked,
0: is crooked referencing Hillary, I assume? Billy Hillary is what he's saying. I
2: guess. Crooked Hillary. Okay. Yeah. Why used? <laughs> do we know used? They, no.
0: Oh, no, they have explained. they not given Trump the the double have they not given Trump the 288 characters yet? <laughs> it just makes no so, sense.
1: So, so that tweet yesterday led to lots of responses saying that this was uh slut shaming, that they were attacking that clearly he was intending a certain message. Uh Sarah Huckabee Sanders came out and said, "Only if your mind is in the gutter would you think that there was any <laughs> sort of sexual innuendo to this." Uh and so all of this seems to suggest that the needle is coming back to Trump to say that the sexual harassment stuff isn't just going to be an Al Franken story, it's not going to be a Roy Moore story, but this is going to be a Donald Trump story as well. How worried should he be about all of this? Or, Phil, you were going to say something else. <laughs>
0: I was going to make a comment about Mario, a Mario Batali story. Oh, but, oh yes, um, that's right. <laughs> uh, They're falling fast, the 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 sexual predators out there. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, so... the. Maybe you said this, and I was drinking beer, and I didn't hear it. But the the, the background to this is that uh, this week, this last week, uh, several women came forward yeah. accusing Trump of, of harassment and um, or upping
1: their initial claims. Yeah. Yes, that's how oh, right, they were right. part of the original um, group. Yes, okay. yeah.
0: And there, I think, in response to that, at least there were a group of senators who called for Trump to resign based on these sexual uh, harassment allegations. There were, I think, four originally, but I think it expanded to five or six senators who were calling for him to resign. Um, Kirsten Gillibrand was the only woman of the group, right, right. and she was also the only one who got mentioned in a Trump tweet, right? So there, there's this element to it that he, you know, people have accused him for a long time of being unable to take criticism in general, but especially criticism yeah. from women, right? He has a hard time with women. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, the fact that he singled her out, I don't. Yeah, I I mean, this is one of those things where I I think, is it plausible that someone tweeted that out without meaning anything sexual by it? Absolutely. Um, But given what we know about Donald Trump, it's sort of like we talked (laughs) about last week with the Russia thing, right? When the evidence starts piling up to a certain extent, it's, it's one of those where... I, you know, I'm not as willing to give Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt. Right. The, the statement about willing to do anything yes. <laughs> is, a, is a little over the top.
1: Well, and he's done this many times where he'll say something with clear, a clear innuendo intended. And then they'll come back and say, like, no, it didn't mean that at all. And it, so there's a pattern of doing this, which makes me think that there there had to be something there. Or at least he was thinking that saying this would stir it up a little bit. So absolutely. And. Yeah, for me, Flunky's over the top. Flunky is the worst part of this whole thing. (laughs) It's just it's heavy,
2: man. Mm. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, he's getting shit from, like, key members of the administration, too. Nikki Haley is right right at the forefront of this. Uh, Where was it? Um, So, yeah, she voiced support for the women who uh, came forward, uh, including those who have accused Trump. Uh, saying, I think we've heard from them prior... Or, yeah, I think we heard from them prior to the election, and I think any woman who has felt violated or felt mistreated in any way, they have every right to speak up. That's, that's a that's a big deal. It is. It's coming
1: from within the administration mm-hmm. saying that these women have a right to speak up. Trump was apparently furious about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a big deal. He I, had her dragged out of wherever she was. Right. Yeah. Wait, no, that was Omarosa. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, Trump,
0: I mean, Trump came out and said that he didn't what was it that that he had never met or right, right, and or <laughs> I, I, I didn't know. I, I don't remember the the women accusers, which is like it, it's one of the Trump has this. Uh, it's not an ability. He has a tendency that is really kind of mind boggling to throw out these things that are such obvious lies. And, and we've gotten so used to it, Right. <laughs> immediately people tweeted out pictures of him with the women, right? So he had tweeted about, I don't know these women, right. they're making this up. And then the people are like pictures of him with his arms around the woman. And, um, but it, yeah, I mean, it feels like maybe, I don't know, uh, yeah, that, that they're, the willingness to give him a pass is starting to, to go, but I, I don't imagine I, in the end, I can't imagine anything coming of this, right? If If he went through the election and got elected, if the Republicans haven't done anything about it yet, um, in the end, he may go down. But if he goes down, it's going to be for Russia and obstruction of justice. Mm. This is not the thing. I mean, it totally should take him down, but it's not it's not the thing that is going to take him down. I don't imagine. I agree. Yeah, I I mean, he should be target
2: number one. If any of these stories are true, he should be the one that they are (laughs) consistently going after at this point.
1: I think you're both right, but here's what I would say. If they're going to go after him for Russia, they need political momentum for this and That's this true. could give them that right so if if these uh, the me too movement is is that has a lot of momentum it, it's not going to stop you the washington there's rumors that the washington post is going to break a story in the next week where they're going to name 20 or 30 members of congress who've who've engaged in sexual harassment like th- it, this that is, is gonna shocking <laughs> right exactly i am no. shocked <laughs> by that <laughs> so so this story continues and if it continues to get legs Eventually, Trump's going to have to face this, and and he is maybe the worst. I mean, we have him on tape. The the Access Hollywood tape is so damning in terms of him saying he does this. That wasn't his voice, Bill. That's right, right. fake news. <laughs> but he, what he says he's going to do on that Access Hollywood tape is what all these other women are alleging. It's like the parallels are really striking. So this could erode his political capital, where then suddenly some kind of impeachment or something else is much more viable. So I don't think this takes him down, but this maybe puts him in a place where that is easier. Um,
0: That's a really good point. I, that you you have to remember that impeachment is not a criminal process; it's a political mm-hmm. process at its core, and and uh if if this chips away at his support um or it's one more way that people feel you know one more sort of thing that people feel like is a justification for removing him from office if it's another you know weight around the ankle of the Republican Party going into the midterms that also you know if you have yes. a swing in the parties in power that makes impeachment more likely so um yeah, I still stand by my statement that I don't think this is the thing that will bring him down. But I think your point is really good, which is that this might very well help create the conditions that allow yeah. for him to be brought down by other things.
1: And if we think about the midterm election, so white women in Alabama may not have voted Democratic, but that may not be the case in the upper Midwest or other Senate seats that are up. So the, the, these dynamics, the gender dynamic may be more powerful than we think, especially especially in House seats, like in a place like California, Um, So this, I don't know, it feels like this this is going to be an issue that will continue to hang around Trump's neck for a long time.
0: It would be really interesting to go back to the last Alabama Senate race. I'm I'm sure these statistics are easy to find and see what percentage of white women voted Republican in that election, mm-hmm. and and did it stick? Was it 65 percent in that election and right. it was 62 percent in this election, or was it 80 percent of white women voted Republican last election, and it's 60 percent this time? Because that's a big that that yeah. is that's a, that is an important swing in ways then that that you know might be evidence of what you're getting at. Absolutely, yeah. Can, Go ahead. Um, I I don't know how much how much time we have left on this topic. I, I, right? I want to throw out the another part of the story that I think is worth mentioning is um, that Kirsten Gillibrand has been at the forefront of this for years. She has been talking about sexual harassment for years before anybody gave a shit about yeah. it, right? Um, and now this that with this this Me Too movement, with like the the you know people uh, people women in general. We've talked about feeling empowered and, and being active in politics. The number of women who are like declaring for uh, running for office is dramatically up. Um, it seems like I, I, I don't know, as I start thinking towards I, I don't I don't really have any big notions of who the candidates are going to be next time. But she starts to emerge to me as an incredibly strong Democratic candidate for president. I, I know that uh uh, what, uh, Kamala Harris or whatever. Is yeah. that right? Is that her name yeah. in California has been sort of uh, one that people have talked about. But I, I don't know. I, I sort of... Kirsten Gillibrand coming from, you know, a, an important state um, has been like consistent on this issue for years. Has She seems to have a consistent voting record. She seems to be like positioning herself really well for a run for president.
1: Absolutely, I think that's, that's absolutely clear. She's catapulted herself into this more national audience. And that's the one... In some ways, stupid thing or one of many stupid things that Trump does, he elevates his opponents by attacking her. He threw her a softball. So he I mean, he didn't know this, but she this was so easy for her to respond. And then everybody else gets on board. It just elevates these these other politicians in ways that if Trump was really strategic, he he wouldn't do some of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Name
0: name name recognition matters in politics. right? Mm -hmm. And when you when the president is tweeting out your name and attacking you and when it, it, so many people follow Donald Trump on Twitter, many of them because they love him, but many because they want to see what crazy thing he says next. Right. right? right. And when he attacks, I, it's just yeah, I think he he's only he's only helping her. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh,
2: what do you think, Nick? I mean, the and I, I know I, I harp on this on or at least I have harped on this in the past few episodes with the um, um, election of Jones in Alabama and this kind of increasing intensity to scrutinize whatever behavior Trump is is being accused of, <clears throat> and the fact that <clears throat> people like uh, Gillibrand are, are so much a, a core part of this movement, it it still worries me that at some point this is going to come back and bite them in the ass, mm-hmm. and they're. If there is an instance where these accusations uh, come out as being blatantly false and it it seems like it's politically motivated and they can tie a specific person to it or a specific candidate, that's really going to be detrimental to what they're trying to do. And again, I I think what they're doing is extraordinarily important and I I, uh, completely uh, believe a significant portion of the accusations that are out there, not necessarily all of them, but I, I, I just hope they're thinking about that from a, um, not Republican conservative, but a conservative strategic perspective. I, yeah, it, it, go ahead.
0: No, I think it's interesting. Um, from like, uh, if I put my, uh, you know, conspiracy cynic hat on, I, I'm sort of surprised that hasn't hat. happened that? yet. Right. <laughs> So, I mean, we saw in the lead in the lead up to the the Alabama Senate election that there were groups that were um, doing these fake calls trying to discredit the media. Right. Like we're offering money for people who are willing to say that Roy Moore did stuff. So there was already this, you know, um, uh, intent to undermine the credibility of this allegation. From the journalism side it, it seems like an easy thing to do To have a woman Come out and accuse a prominent person Of sexual harassment That then you know is Easily shown to be false right? Just right. to kind of cast doubt on this whole On this whole thing And, I, and I'm sort of surprised in this era Of like cynical politics that, that just seems like something that Steve Bannon would do In a heartbeat right, right? right. Um, I'm kind of surprised that it, that, that hasn't happened yet yeah. um, We'll see There's time
1: Even the, you know, since we last taped, there was the Al Franken speech where he stepped down. And even in that, he suggested that, or he basically stated that he does not completely agree with all of the statements that were made against him. And that he doesn't want to get in the way of the broader movement. But he's subtly suggesting what you're saying is that not all of this is 100 percent and there needs to be some some due process to these claims. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's
0: it's a potential lime landmine landmine yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's it lime beers potential lime man that's right Phil do you want to start us off with beers sure um so I've just had one beer so far tonight I had a whale's tail pale ale it's fun to say Mm. uh out from Cisco Brewers in Nantucket in Massachusetts uh it was good I enjoyed it it was a good beer um I for whatever reason lately I like you know a good lager that's kind of you know not light, but you know, kind of crisp and I like IPAs, but when I have an IPA, I want like the, the hops to like slap me in the face. Right. Mm. (laughs) And this, um, this was good. It was, it tasted, it was a a fine beer. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like as hoppy as I wanted it to be. Mm. Yeah. You're a hoppy guy. I know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Nick, what are we drinking? So we have the, um, butterfly flash mob from solemn oath brewery, uh, out of Naperville. So it's just down the street. um, I'll say this, the can is pretty.
1: Yeah. Um, lots of butterflies. it
2: butterflies on it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, what would you even
1: consider this? So it's, it's a Belgian-style IPA, but the Belgium is the key element oh, of it. I would say that. There's so much in it, right? I mean, yeah. it is, it's not your typical IPA. It really feels almost, it's not a vice beer, but there's just a lot going on. There's, it's a lot of conflicting yeah. things in there. It, to me, I taste banana. I kind of get the banana yeah. thing, too. Yeah, it's um, it's okay. It's one of those beers that somebody who has a really sophisticated palate will say excellent beer. We don't we don't have that. Yeah, so I, I think it's okay. an okay beer, but it wasn't my favorite. Yeah, I opened a second one, which was a Ballast Point Big Eye IPA. Phil, you would love this because this is hoppy all over the place. Yeah? It literally is just slapping me left and right. So this is the this is one of their signature IPAs, and it, it's a classic. It's a good one. Uh, I always enjoy that beer. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Moving
2: on. Moving on. All Fake right. News. Fake news. Fake so, news. So,
1: so this week, media outlets were under attack from Donald Trump uh, after they made a couple mistakes, Phil. Media can make mistakes. So um, they published articles about Trump, and then Trump blasted the out-of-control media for being a, quote, stain on America. On Tuesday, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders Uh, continued the attack, stating, quote, there's a very big difference between making honest mistakes and purposely misleading the American public, something that happens regularly. You can't say that's an honest mistake when you're purposefully putting the information out that you know to be false. So there were three mistakes, one made by CNN, one made by uh, uh, ABC, and one by Washington Post, where they had to pull back these stories. Now, to their credit, they acknowledged the mistake, and uh put the retraction out there but
0: this and the the washington post one wasn't even an official story it was a reporter for the washington post who tweeted out a picture
1: right a picture of the stadium that was early in the evening and he thought it was at the event but he nonetheless still apologized but this this gave trump so much ammunition to attack and attack and he was he was Busy, Nick. He was he was attacking uh, throughout the week uh, about all these false stories. My favorite. Well, I think one he said that ninety percent of the news out there is fake news. Ninety percent. Nobody's been able to find where he got that figure from.
2: But, um, because he knows. Right. He doesn't need someone to <laughs> so, tell him.
1: Early in the week, and this is I think this may be his most juvenile tweet of the week. He he tweeted CNN slogan is CNN the most trusted name in news. Everyone knows this is not true. This could in be, in fact, be fraud for the American public. There are many outlets that are far more trusted than fake news. CNN. Their slogan should be "CNN, the least trusted name in news." <laughs> Good one. <laughs> That's a classic burn. Get him, Donnie. <laughs> yes. Wow. So I guess the question is: Do we? <clears throat> is there credibility here in his attack on the media? Did the media screw up? And are they trying? Are they getting ahead of themselves? Or is this is this a danger to mo- to democracy? The way in which he's attacking the media. I, I think both things can be true. <laughs> uh, th- th- we should rename our show. That <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I mean, it's I, there's no doubt in my mind that the majority of the coverage that we see is uh, honest coverage? Question mark Yeah. Um, I, I do think though that there is some cachet to putting a story out there and then later releasing a retraction because the information is out at that point. And especially now with how pervasive um, stories can be and how quickly they can get shared, before you can even release that retraction, you know it's out to millions upon millions upon millions of people. So I I, I don't know. I, I think it's juvenile, but at the same time, I can see the thought process of where he's coming from and where a lot of his supporters are coming from.
1: Sure. The question for me is: Is the intent? Do, are these organizations intentionally putting out false news, or yes, they're are all they- communist organizations, <laughs> right. or are they just trying to get a scoop and making right. mistakes? Phil, you're going you to say something.
0: Yeah, they're not intentionally doing this, right? Intentionally sharing false Fake news. news. <laughs> Fake news for an organization like The Washington Post or CNN, like their business model, right? They, they, The reason people pay attention to them is that because they can believe it. So if, if they were intentionally giving out false news, that would be problematic. I mean, there's a long history in journalism of people making mistakes and printing retractions, right? This happens all the time. I do think that with the president in office and, and the sorts of attacks that he's made— uh, there's a couple of things going on, one of which is we are in this new age of news in which, uh, with the internet and 24-hour news, there is a, and because there are so many news sources, there is this mad rush to be the first to report. Um, I think that's always been the case, but it moved in sort of a slower motion. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's happening so quick now that I think there is some pressure to report first. Um, And I think the news media has to be exceptionally careful because of Trump and the accusations he's making about making sure like, and it, it, this is a point in time where being the first to scoop something is maybe not the goal mm-hmm. right like that absolute certainty is is important um, so all of that said I think there are pressures that lead them to maybe report quicker than they should uh, the vast majority of the time even with that in, case, in, in, in place they are still verifying sources this happens you know they are wrong on a story that they put in print a, an incredibly small percentage of the right. time and when they do it they issue apologies and clarifications so having said all of that there is a tremendous irony in Donald Trump <laughs> yes. being the critic of this right of critiquing people for getting something wrong and then admitting that they were wrong and apologizing and retracting because Donald Trump has never admitted he was wrong on anything and tweets stuff that is like blatantly factually wrong right so the the accusation coming from Donald Trump at these organizations is a little insane. Yeah. Um, so I you know, all of that to say, again, like Nick was saying, there can be multiple truths in in all of this. Mm-hmm. I think the the thing that concerns me about it is, regardless of whether the story is true or not, the language of accusing the media calling the media a stain on yeah. America. Even if they were doing all of this, even if they were intentionally doing this, even if they were like, you know, had an anti-Trump bias, um, the language of calling them a stain on America is, is shock. It's not shocking anymore, but it should be shocking, right? It should be shocking. That is incredible, incredible language. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's what, that's what terrifies me. There's one way to call out the media when they make a mistake and say that they need to make sure you know they don't have a bias and all of that stuff but to use this as an excuse to i mean he's been making this attack all along so this is not that he's reacting to this it's that he has one more excuse to make this attack on the media (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and and yeah i mean we've talked about this throughout the week the past months that that this is this is not good for democracy
1: no it's it's and it journalism jur- journalists are going to make mistakes from time to time that's just the nature of journalism and they they need to do what everybody did in this case which is come out and say we screwed up and you know we're going to retract the story and i think nick you're right to say that sometimes the impact is out there and you can't pull that back but journalism is different than history right historians have time to write these things journalists are trying to get the scoop but given the uniqueness of donald trump i think they have to be especially careful to avoid this mm. uh, because it's it just becomes fodder for him to then attack the the institution that is the media, which is really, really, really damning. Another thing that, that troubled me this week is there was an article in the New York Times cataloging the authoritarians around the world who are now using the phrase fake news. Because it's so good. It is, it's right? so good. And so when you have <laughs> the president of the United States attacking legitimate media outlets, it makes it much easier... For Turkey or for Putin or for Duterte in the Philippines to attack and make those arguments because, you know, they can say, hey, if the president of the United States is is suggesting that the media is fake news, we can do that as well. And uh, John McCain tweeted something out this afternoon where he was uh, some data point suggesting that there have been more journalists arrested this year than in a long time. I can't remember the exact data. Uh, And he said, you know, the president of the United States needs to be careful about the way in which he attacks the media uh, so, yeah, this this just felt what? like...
0: The way in which he attacks the no, media? The, the, all, How about the attack, the attack media? yeah,
1: the attack of the media, huh. sorry. Um, so it, it's, it's deeply troubling to a democracy that he does this. Uh, and again, I mean, it was... I, I think I have like eight different tweets that I saw this week in which he's attacking the press. One of which was the New York Times ran a story suggesting that he watches anywhere between four to eight hours of TV a week. The New York a day, Times a day. I'm not sorry, a week. God, a week time. that would be spectacular. Yes, 48 hours a week. Yeah, I can't yes. even do that. You guys need to correct my fake news. Yeah. <laughs> the New York Times had 60 sources for this, and he and most of which are inside the White House, and he still attacks it as fake news. Well, they shouldn't be leaking that information, first right, of all. Right. Well, that's, that's another not matter. Ethical. Yes, <laughs> this uh,
0: is this is this is where that absolute partisanship comes into mm-hmm. play, right? Uh, like Donald Trump versus the media. They're playing. Uh, a good just, cover they're, band they. they're playing two different games or they're playing by clearly different sets of rules, right? This must be incredibly frustrating. If you're a New York Times reporter and you're being told that in order to publish anything, you have to have three, five, ten sources on it. Um, Donald Trump doesn't have, you know, he just says yeah. whatever the hell he wants, right? And, and if you are a Trump, if, you, if, if this partisanship aspect has a hold of you, then you just accept what he says against the, like the facts are, are you know, it's irrelevant. So um, if you were playing by the same rules, like it would mean that the, the New York Times would decide to drop their journalistic standards and just publish whatever hit piece they wanted, right? But they're, they're not going to do that. Um, and it must be, that must be frustrating, you know, for them. I mean, the, the, the statement from Sarah Huckabee Sanders that they're doing this on purpose, yes. right? That to get something wrong is, is one thing, but to do it on purpose is another um, That's an example of, like, there's, there's no evidence at all that this no. was done on purpose. It's just that we'll throw that out there and um, and people eat it up, right? Because they're not going to question stuff. They're not going to look at the, the, the facts of, of the situation. Especially
1: and, if you repeat it enough. And that's one thing that Trump right. does is he keeps, you know, there's this repetitive nature of just keep hammering and hammering and hammering it. And eventually it seems to, to sink in, even if there isn't a whole lot of truth to it. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean... So the counter to that would be
2: realistically, these most of these media organizations are run by multi billion dollar corporations at this point. Yep. And if the what what I, I think really bugs people is that you can harp on any other company or corporation of that size in any other industry and be extremely cynical about, about their stance and what they're doing and what they're, you know, lying to you about and, you know, they're clearly not telling you the truth. But because it's the media that doesn't ne necess- they, they get some sort of pass with that, and i while i don't necessarily agree with that standpoint in most situations, I think it's a powerful narrative to have and, and I, I it does throw in some element of, of
0: doubt for a lot of people you know they have I, to police themselves yeah no i think you're I think you're right it, it is fair to criti- to critique to criticize the media right like they're putting out a product, and if they're failing in what they 're putting out then they have a right to be criticized. Just like if Toyota puts out cars with faulty airbags, they deserve to be criticized for that. Mm. Um, and so yeah, that's where the media has to be incredibly careful about this. I think it's also where it's important to point out that this happens incredibly rarely in the grand scheme of things. And that the response is that, you know, it's like Donald Trump throwing out like an accusation. It, it's one thing to accuse Toyota of you know uh whatever having faulty airbags it's another thing to like just randomly announce that toyota is you know secretly slaughtering hundreds of thousands of japanese people right, right? right. um which right. is what donald trump is is is, <laughs> is that's the equivalent of what donald trump is doing right that these there he's throwing out these accusations that have absolutely no basis in fact that are useful for him um and but but uh, yeah i mean i it, it's it, like you're saying, though, it is effective, yeah, right? right? Like, it's a, it's a useful narrative to have. If you really want to take down Toyota, then people will believe you when you say it. Then, yeah, do it. Well, I heard they're slaughtering a bunch of
1: Japanese <laughs> right. people, so we should probably start talking about that well, more. You're
0: and the just... second person I've heard that says that. <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> and to circle back something you started with, Phil, is the the idea that I mean, Trump himself does not feel constrained by the truth. And then, you know, Fox News is essentially turned into a state media channel. And in in the big picture, history years and years from now, I think that's going to be the story. The way in which Trump lied at historic rate and the way in which Fox News... Reinforced that, uh, and so I don't know. I think for me, that's in the short term, that's not a big issue because people don't really focus on that. But long term, that that has a dramatic impact on this on the, the political dynamic in the country. I think there's a large
2: portion of the population that will say that every other media outlet did the exact same thing in the last the last administration as well. I I, I mean, yeah, we all know what this administration is like right now and what kind of person that that Trump is. But again there's a there's a a completely <clears throat> divergent thought process between those two camps and i think both of them are vehemently militaristic in their viewpoint. I, I don't think you're going to sway them that <laughs> I, I
0: don't much. know if it's
1: a moral equivalence, it, though, because I mean, th- there was an article, there was, I'm sure, a study this week that came out looking at the New York Times coverage of Hillary and the emails. Mm-hmm. And what they found is that the New York Times had a disproportionate amount of stories on those emails. Yep. right? And the whole point was that the New York Times lost its focus. It was so worried about being balanced that it covered this story to a degree that really wasn't fair. It was it was moving in the other direction because they were so afraid of that critique. So I, I don't know if that plays
0: both ways. So I, I think there's two aspects to this, one of which is is that your point that you're making is absolutely right, Nick. And there <laughs> are a big chunk of people in the po- in the country who think that CNN and The New York Times are just as biased as Fox News. Um But just because they think it doesn't mean that it's actually true. Right. right? So absolutely. um, So. But yeah, I mean, so. So the the point that that other people sort of see the opposite media uh, groups or or the other media groups as equally biased is, you know, you're 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 right. That feeds into their notion of we can't trust them. We have to listen to Fox News. But. um, it's part of the problem of this partisanship. But but the fact of it, when you boil it down, is that it's just not... They might... I, I think that there have been studies that have shown that, you know, the New York Times or CNN or whatever do lean a little left. But the extent of that lean... And what it means for the types of stories they run is an entirely different beast than the extent of the lean that, the, that Fox News has and the type of stories it runs.
2: Okay, that's fair. Uh, but I, I think another theme that we talk about at length uh, over many episodes of this podcast is that <clears throat> truth is not necessarily empirical truth. Perception is truth at this point. So mm-hmm. the fact that there is enough doubt to really create that big of a schism between elements of the american population that's that's the thing regardless of whether or not the facts are there saying that Mm -hmm. whatever this perception that people have Mm -hmm. is completely unfounded it doesn't matter because the narrative is powerful enough to influence their behavior i don't care what the numbers are i care what people are going to
1: do with the information that they have yeah but we've never had a president willing to go as far as trump Will, is pushing that. Mm-hmm. So I think in the past, you're right, Democrats have pushed one way and Republicans have pushed another way, presidential presidents. But but now Trump says, like, I'll go all the way. Right. I'll, I'll make the argument for fake news, which is, like, there is no truth. And mm-hmm. that's That's a right. different development for the democracy. Well, I mean, yeah. we'll
2: see what the end result is. Right. Either people realize what's going on and look at what the facts are, or we continue with this narrative to some weird void that no one really has no, any I know. that's, that's right that's, that's, now we're to the some, void for a while some
0: dystopian sci-fi novel yeah. is where we're headed yeah and, that and, void's and,
2: gonna start staring back real quick
1: maybe alabama gives us a little bit of hope not a ton but a little bit that, yeah. yeah at least at least we're gonna say like well we're, we're not gonna elect a pedophile so okay. that's, that's <laughs> it was close yeah, it's close um Final topic? Yes. All right, so Robert Mueller is back in the news. Uh, Republicans' Congress redoubled their attacks on the integrity of the special counsel Robert Mumble this week. Robert Mueller this week. Uh, oh. Oh, Robert Mumble. Jeez. <laughs> Robert Mumble. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, you should uh, say <laughs> <laughs> So on Wednesday, in what analysts believe is a concerted political strategy designed to discredit any potential Mueller findings uh, that could argue for the impeachment of the president, seizing on newly released politically charged text messages between two FBI officials who are no longer part of Mueller's investigation, Republican used an oversight hearing of the House Judiciary Committee to accuse Mueller, Mueller, God, a Republican, of conducting a tainted inquiry. So this whole thing is that Robert Mueller is now, now biased because of Two or at least one or two officials who were on his team who engaged in text messages back and forth critical of Donald Trump. And this seems to be moving in a direction where Republicans are going to make an open argument that Mueller is biased and that any findings he produces will be a reflection of that bias and we shouldn't take seriously. Good strategic
2: uh, thinking on that. It part. is.
1: It is. And it's not just Mueller. Uh, Donald Trump for weeks has been arguing, months has been arguing that this is a witch hunt. There's nothing there. Uh, Trump's lawyer has called for an appointment of a special, special prosecutor accountant. to yeah. look into the special counsel, yeah. uh, which, again, would also be unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. I, I don't know. I. This is also concerning to me in the sense that Mueller is a Republican who was... When he was first appointed, a lot of Republicans who were now criticizing him said he is he's untouchable, his record at the FBI and otherwise. I mean, my sense is that he is some he is one of the few individuals who could be conducting this, and even he is now being attacked as being biased uh, with with no real evidence other than the fact that a couple individuals on his team who he then removed had sent messages. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Is this troubling to you guys?
0: Uh yeah. <laughs> I mean what part of it do you mean is troubling? So I am troubled by the attempt to undermine the special counsel yeah. and and undermine it's not just the special counsel it's the FBI Donald Trump has attacked the FBI right. like relentlessly in a way that is bizarre for a person who is the head of the <laughs> right. Justice Department right. essentially. Um it is it for someone who is in, who is whose job it is is to execute the laws of the country. For him to essentially be lashing out at the FBI is um, yeah, it's it's deeply concerning. I am not concerned about the bias of the. I, I, this is another one of those really inconvenient news stories um, in the sense of it is really unfortunate that these two members of the Mueller team have these text messages about how Clinton has to win and how Trump would be bad Yeah. Um, just because it does cast some level of, of doubt. But to, to step back, I mean, this is, um, you know, I saw somebody else making the argument that the, the Republican approach over the past decade has been all about more or less free speech, right? That people yes. have the, the right to say, I mean, from like uh, money is free speech and that corporates have the right to have political opinions and whatnot. There is nothing illegal about these texts. There's nothing inappropriate about the text. They don't violate ethical standards, um if you are a government employee, employee, you have the right to have an opinion about candidates for president. Um what you don't have a right to do is to let those viewpoints affect how you carry out your job. And there hasn't been any evidence whatsoever that the the way in which they are carrying out this job has been affected by their political leanings. So um, I'm not all that at this point concerned that there are people in the Mueller investigation who don't like Donald Trump. I, you would you would assume sort of looking at it the other way, that if you are in the FBI and you have access to information about <laughs> the illegal deal, dealings of Donald Trump, you might support Clinton or think that Trump can't be president. Um, So I'm not all that concerned about that. If more information comes out that this is affecting the way they do their job, then yes, we should be concerned and we should hold them accountable. But that hasn't happened. Mm -hmm, And what this is, is like the attacks on the media. It's just an attempt to discredit anything that is a threat to him. And in doing that, just like discrediting the media, discrediting the Justice Department is good for Donald Trump and really bad for our country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other part of that is, so the two members
2: of the investigation were also lambasting uh, Bernie in right, the same text right, messages, right. saying that he was an idiot. Yeah. And I believe both, or at least one of the two, were removed in, like, July from the investigation, yes. correct? Right. I think both.
1: They were having an affair. Were they? I, weren't I, they, Phil? Ooh, that's juicy. I, oh. I don't know,
2: right? I not hear fun. that Tell parts. me more, Bill. Ooh. Scandalous. Let's just,
1: let's just assume they
2: were having an affair. <laughs> I think they were. My entertainment tonight. Yeah. Music. Um Yeah. Like, it's... I, I... Again, I think from a strategic perspective, you have to do this if you're going to attempt to save some semblance of control within your own party and for the executive branch. But... I, the evidence just isn't there, man. Like you're grasping at straws and it, it's it's starting to look really, really desperate.
0: But if we go back to the topic we were just talking about, right, it's not a matter of what the truth is. It's a matter of what people believe. Right. And if people are totally partisan and they think that the Democrats are out to get, you know, Trump, then him throwing this out there is you know, Again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be effective with a big chunk of the population. We're going to totally yeah. buy into it. I would prefer you not use my points against my <laughs> argument.
2: That's <but laughs> fine. We'll, we'll let it go.
1: He puts a lot more pressure on Mueller to make sure that whatever he presents is just perfect, right? And he has to have them dead to right, because if there's any ambiguity to this, and maybe that speaks to why he was willing to give Flynn such a sweetheart deal. uh, Mueller is no, he's not a political novice. He knows what's going on here. And I think he appreciates the way in which Trump is going to respond to this. So hopefully Mueller gets all of this. And that's why he's constructing the case in the way he is. Because if not, it's going to be really, really difficult to get the public to buy in, especially if he's going to be asking the Congress to impeach or anything like that. I mean, it has to be clear cut.
0: Oh. The, the story was leaked by Trump administration yes. officials, right? Yes. Uh, so Rod Rosenstein is, was testifying today. Well, not even I, leaked because they actually, they called the media in.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> so right. they're not even <laughs> bothering with We're the We're leaking, leaking something. and yeah, showed
0: so. them this because they wanted it out by a certain time before Rosenstein um testified before congress it's a it's a blatant attempt to undermine the whole process and i mean it, this is like it, it, again it seems to me like in a in non-bizarro world this alone would be evidence of an attempt to obstruct justice right like rod Rosenstein is going in to testify this this thing is going on let's like blatantly leak these these it's not even, again not even leak blatantly show media this this information on these text messages that shouldn't be public information, right? Um, so, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, the the extent to which like the attempt to undermine all of that and, and again, with all of this, with all of the attacks on the FBI, with the attacks on Mueller, all of the stuff on Comey that Trump has done, like the thing that reassures me that makes me feel like this is not biased is that They've all been silent, yes. right? They haven't, like, Mueller hasn't said anything. Comey hasn't said anything. Like, Comey could, like, there are certain things that he can't say because they're, you know, uh, classified or whatever. But he's not a government employee anymore. If he wants to talk about right. his conversation with the president, he could. And he's stayed quiet on all of that, which to me indicates really a commitment to the process and to doing it right, which makes me, it just, it just makes the accusations of like bias or witch hunts, they just don't hold any water.
1: At the end of the day, Trump knows the truth because he's part of this truth. And that would explain some of his attacking of the institution. I mean, attacking the FBI. This is truly unprecedented in American history for a sitting president to go after the FBI in this way. Usually you use the FBI to attack your enemy. Exactly. (laughs) That's, that's, That's what Nixon did. So it does it does comfort one to say that the FBI is quiet about this and they're just going about their job. Um, and it, it, there are going to be more shoes that are going to drop that, that probably are not going to be good for Trump.
0: That's where a short term political strategy by Trump to try to undermine the FBI. Um, it, it makes sense in a short term political way, but it seems yes. just insanely stupid from a term um, standpoint. Like you, like it, <laughs> They're the people who sort of hold your fate in their hands, and yes. and he is constantly um, and relentlessly, uh, you know, attacking them and undermining any any reason for for the FBI to like him. Or to, and again, they seem to be maintaining their professionalism despite that. But
1: yeah, Trump is good. It, it's at, not. Trump is good at the day to day cable news battle. I mean, I think he, that's what he focuses attention on. Yep. but you're right. Long-term evidence is going to come against him. If there is evidence, that's going to be way more damning. There is evidence. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so. Um, any final thoughts on Not this exhausted. one? Exhausted. It's tiring. I, you know, I had I said a lot of wrong things today,
2: Nick. These were kind of deep ones, yeah, and like weren't yeah. quite as fun as the other ones have been. We'll we be get funnier about next North week. Korea or yeah. any fun dictatorship. Thing. <laughs> fun things like North Korea. Yeah. 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 Damn.
0: Is there anything big happening this week? We were looking forward last week to the Alabama election. I feel like there's something coming up, but my mind is blank right now as to what that would be. I feel like
2: every time we record something, something happens like within an hour of yeah, us finishing absolutely. or the next day. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about <laughs> but next then we, week. then we forget by time the next podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. rolls around. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, well, regardless, if you did like what you heard uh, or just want to... Um, say that we're twat waffles again. You can also do that. Um, uh, Follow us on Facebook um, as I do things for sound and things. Um, Follow us on Facebook at Barstool Politics, Twitter at Barstool Paul.
1: Uh, Send us questions. Can I interrupt? Yes. Trump just tweeted out, thank you, Omarosa, for your service. I wish you continued success.
2: (laughs) (laughs) here's your response so (laughs) we are just gonna leave it at that well that was measured yeah (laughs) (laughs) which means it had to have been bad yes um yeah if you have questions or comments uh or uh would like us to talk about something specific uh send us an email barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com check out the beers we try on the untapped app uh on ios or android Uh, and i think you can send us beer suggestions on there as well um and then uh itunes uh podcast goes up on itunes uh, or soundcloud uh follow us and like us and share us on there um that helps us to make this grow and uh i think that's it for the week yeah yeah
0: happy hanukkah that's right is it hanukkah yeah yeah it's hanukkah oh, yeah nice happy hanukkah then
2: yeah yeah i need to follow up with that yeah uh all right well, thanks guys we'll see you next week cheers, cheers.